It's the Betty Witherspoon Show, and here's Betty! Ladies and gentlemen, in response to the public's overwhelming demands for more good music on the radio, I will play the violin. Yeah, yeah, what tune? What tune are you going to play? I have an idea. Yeah, why don't you play that song about Jean-Pierre Ben-Gurion? Song about Jean-Pierre Ben-Gurion? What's yeah, that? The Froggy Froggy Jew. <laughs> I don't get it, but I like it. Well, I'll play something that fits my mood much better. Party's over. That's right. Well, the show's only just begun. I know, I know, Ken. I know, but actually, you see, the fact is, I went to a party last night. I went to a party, and you know, I'm feeling a little. Well, you know. Yes, I went to a party too, and I'm feeling a little here and there as well. <laughs> was yours? Was yours good? No. Well, yeah, it was a great party. Oh, there was wild, wild music, mm. marvellous. Yeah. And up on the stage, there was one of those. Um, Gong-gong girls. Gong, you mean go-go girls. I saw it. I know what I mean. <laughs> but, Ken, I'm feeling so terribly tired today. I really am. You see, I was kept awake all night by this girl, same girl, oh. knocking on my door. Oh. Finally, I had no alternative. I just had to let her out. <laughs> <laughs> I liberated her, you know, women's lib. Women's lib, women's lib. They should all be put behind bras. Now, Ken, now come on, lib and let lib. What? Actually, I'm not sure about it all, you know, really. My daughter-in-law, she's joined women's lib. She's even burned her bra. Really? But you know, she's regretted that ever since. Why? Well, she didn't realise you had to take it off first. <laughs> Don't you think me better get on with the show? The people yes, are here. We you know. could be alternatively, I could tell everyone about my holiday. Oh, where'd you mm. go? Where'd Egypt. You go? Egypt. Yeah, I just come back. Yeah. I thought I'd have to get away from it. Well, well you know, course, the pressure yeah. was on. Oh, yeah. It was right on. It was really was, was, yes. <laughs> so I got there and I dressed like a native. Yeah. Robes, the jalaba, you know. Jalaba. Oh, yeah. Everything on I had. Go it was on. lovely. I thought nobody would recognise me in this get-up. Oh. Then would you believe it? I'm climbing up this pyramid. Yeah. I, I was. Halfway up. Where are you going? This bloke, this bloke comes up and stands on, on me, flowing robe. Cheek. Yeah, and he said, he said, yeah, yeah, aren't you that Kenneth Williams? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. <laughs> Didn't you put it that way? I am, actually. I said, but how did you know me with all this rubbish on? He said, oh, well, I, did, I didn't recognise your robe, uh -huh. but I never forget a fez. He said... <laughs> That is absolutely marvellous. Mm. Well, if you can tell jokes like that, then I can do one. Okay? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm talking on the telephone, right? Hello. Hello, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is uh, Mr. Arsenic. Uh-huh. Mr. Arsenic. And I wish to speak, wish to speak, uh-huh, to Mr. Cyanide. What? Yeah. It's a poison-to-poison -poison call. Oh dear, you know what that means. It's time to go over to the intelligence unit of New Scotland Yard for the mellow voice of Inspector Spules and his weekly Narcs Five. Thank you, mon chéri. Little cherry lips, orchid eyes, garlic breath and monos. <laughs> Don't mention it. Uh, the police are very good at hushing things up, sweetie. Over to you, Inspector. Over to you. Yes. 
This week we're going to take an educational look at the work of the police. A look at the police, number 100. Scotland Yard's phone number. Many people ask me why New Scotland Yard's phone number used to be Whitehall 1212 or 9301212 as it now is. Well, it would sound pretty daft if it was 123, wouldn't it? After all, you ever heard of a waltzing policeman? <laughs> 123123, one, excuse me, officer, you know, waltzing Matilda, yes, but a waltzing policeman never. I, of course, naturellement, favour the gay Gordons. <laughs> but that's a charge I'll be defending stoutly in the future. <laughs> of course, and thank you very much, Inspector Spew. Au contraire, thank you, sweetie. Always pleased to give anyone my telephone number. But talk about the police furthering relationships. This is ridiculous. Back to business. Au revoir, mon enchanté, mon sweetie. Bye-bye. <laughs> He's very well connected, isn't he? <laughs> now that sublime moment in the show when music lovers all over the country rush to switch off their radios. Yes, it's song time. And Miriam and Nigel join us in the Betty with a Spoon Chorale. Nigel. What is the song this week? It's a country and western number, Ted. Oh, how wonderful. That great American institution. And what's the subject? It's that great British institution, the British Code. Yes. And it's a sad, sad, sad love story at the same time. My heart bleeds. It bleeds. <laughs> Maestro, music, please. And Ken, yes. let's hear the chorus. Right. Blockage in his tubes and a strangled note at the back of his throat says he's lost the germ he loves. A bunch of germs were raving it up in a bronchial saloon. Two bugs on the edge of a larynx were jazz in a feverish tune. On the back of the teeth with a whiskey glass sat dangerous Dan Kachoo. Bless you! And watching his pulse was his queen of the wall. That's the lady that's known as Flu. Now it's springtime up his nostrils. There's a blockage on his tubes. And a strangled note at the back of his throat says he's lost a germy Come let me tickle your tonsils, says Dan to his sweet young miss. There's two roguish thighs and your big blue eyes and what a cute laryngitis. Flew rode away on a hacky cough cause everything Dan does offend her. Though she tried out to please, all she did was sneeze. And he couldn't influenza. For springtime up his nostrils, there's blockage in his tubes. And a strangled note at the back of his throat says he lost the germy lives. He's catching that song. <laughs> Next week, the Betty Witherspoon Chorale will once again try their vocal powers and the patience of their listeners. You know, there have been many amazing inventions in modern times, and none of these has been through more changes than Alexander Graham Bell's telephone. But as you know, there are some people who seem determined to use the telephone for the wrong purposes.
Hello. Mika's girdle's wife runs. <laughs> Hello? Hello, who's that? Who's that, please? Oh, you're a man. Oh, that's a pity. Could I speak to your wife, please? I, I, uh, I'm sorry, I'm afraid not. She's uh, in the bath at the moment. That's all right. Call her down. I'll get a good view. I'm in the house across the street from you. <laughs> I'm afraid she won't get up. She likes a good soap. Have you any teenage daughters, then? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, two, as a matter of fact, but they're out. Is there any other female member of the family in? <laughs> <laughs> Only the baby, and that can't speak yet. Oh, what a nuisance. Could I help in some way? Well, oh, well... Well, are you easily shocked and disgusted by rude words over the phone? Oh, no, no, no. Well, then you can't help. <laughs> Could I, uh, perhaps take uh, down a message uh, for you to give Ooh, them? Oh, that's a good idea. You've got a paper and pencil handy. Yes. Uh, good. The message starts... <laughs> you, uh, you ought to see a doctor about that, you know. That's, uh, that's very nasty. No, that's part of the message. Oh, I'll start again. <laughs> Just a moment. No, you're going too fast for me. Was that four breaths or five? Oh, no, 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 either. Now, knickers, girdles, wife, front, pornography, PVC, PVC. Go on. Uh, just keep on writing. Now, where was I? Ice PVC, PVC, see-through blouse, vest, underpants, bra. Thank God I got that off my chest. I've got it all down. <laughs> I think I missed some in the middle there. Could you... Would you mind, would you mind repeating all that again, please? Oh, forget it. I'll ring someone else. Funny fella. A funny fella rang up just as we were getting acquainted. And after that, Neil, give us a musical lint. Yes, friends, pull up a chair, pull up a sock and sit back. It's time for Witherspoon's World, and this week Betty takes a look at the arts. And we might as well start at the beginning of the alphabet with A for actors. They're the people you can identify by the glazed look that comes into their eyes when the conversation wanders away from themselves. I'm not kidding. And these days, to be any sort of actor or actress, you've got to be prepared to work in the nude. <laughs> Lucky fellow. Over now to a stage somewhere in London for the first all-nude Western. See, you just back from your honeymoon in Dodge City, Grandpa. Yep. Ninety-four and married off at your age. You old critter, you. Yep. <laughs> In the old dog, yeah, doggone it. <laughs> Grandpa, how about your honeymoon? Yep. <laughs> Grandpa, how do you find it? With difficulty, boy. <laughs> difficulty. And I suppose in years to come, actors who started in nude shows will become theatrical knights, great figures in the theater and look back on their careers in these terrible retrospective programs you keep on seeing on television. Oh, uh, boy, I remember one anecdote was remarkably amusing and wonderful. <laughs> An example that was that's so funny. If I, I remember as if it were yesterday. 
this incident, I, I, I thought I'd die laughing. The anecdote was, oh, it was oh, so funny. Our memories, memories, this was, uh, oh, I've forgotten. <laughs> And then, of course, there are amateur dramatics for people who leave the office at 5.30 saying, Good night, Jones. Good night, Smith. They get home, put on their sandals, and arrive at rehearsal at 7.30 saying, Hello, darlings. <laughs> Mind you, amateur dramatic societies are full of gossip and can cause problems between husband and wife. Hello, marriage guidance counsel. Oh, thank goodness there's someone there. Uh, it's uh, Mrs. Raquel Welsh of Hendon here. <laughs> oh, I've got a problem. Oh, yes. Uh, what it's is my it? My husband. He refuses to believe I'm an actress. Uh, well, are you? Oh, yes, I am. I'm starring in the Upper Hendon Cooperative Society's next production of Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> but uh, why won't your husband believe you're an actress, Mrs. Welch? Well, when he came home last night and found me on the sofa with another man, he refused to believe that we were just rehearsing a love scene. And why? He said we knew our parts too well. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Mrs. Raquel Wells. But now we, let's turn to music now. Music gives us all delusions of grandeur. It's my husband, Doctor. He thinks he's Johann Sebastian Bach. And all he can play is chopsticks. Yeah. Oh, you've got to see him. Right this minute, he's outside with his piano. Ah, if you'll tell him to come in, and I'll examine oh, him. Oh, come on in, darling. Come on. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Don't rub All right, all right. I'm just squeezing Miss Steinway. <laughs> ah, hello, uh, mister. I, I, I hear that you are Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh, that's right. Do you want to hear me play? Play. Oh, yes. Right, here you go. Oh, there. There. Do you like it? Oh, very good indeed. Now I'd like to hear your Takata in D minor. What, again? <laughs> but now back to painting and modern art. Modern art, oodles of doodles, pop goes the easel. Call it what you will, it certainly attracts some very peculiar people. Yeah, excuse me, miss. Yeah, you, don't, you don't know me, but would you mind posing for me in the nude? Oh, certainly not. I'm not a brazen model, I'll have you know. Oh, that's all right. I'll let you into a secret. I'm not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll all be surprised and shocked at some of the carry-ons they get up to in the privacy of an artist's studio. Mm. You know, you're the first model I've ever made love to. Oh, I don't believe it's it. It's true. Oh, how many models have you had? Well, let's see. Vase of flowers, a mandolin, a bowl of fruit. <laughs> and then, of course, what has been the effect of pop culture on Scotland? To find out, we sent our reporter to the far north of Watford. <laughs> of Scott. Aye. Uh -huh. Thank you, thank you. Hello. Super terrific. Wonderful. Nice to have you on the show again, Janet. Oh, it's nice to be had. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well, you could tell us what sort of artistic pursuits you get out to here during the long winter evenings. Well, after supper, my husband usually gets out his chanter and gives me a quick scuttle. <laughs> and what's your reaction? I usually give him a few bars of stop your tickling jokes. <laughs> super, super. Are you musical in any way? Oh, hi. I used to play the piano, but only the other day my husband bought me a clarinet. How nice of him. Aye. He said that at least with a clarinet I couldn't play it and sing at the same time. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, I'm afraid that just about wraps up Witherspoon's World, the part of Janet that was played by Miriam Margulis, who appeared by kind permission of the curators of the British Museum. <laughs> and now we are very proud to present a historical reconstruction, a recreation of one of the great moments in the history of science as Sir Isaac Newton sits under an apple tree after making his momentous discovery. Oh, good morning, Sir Isaac. How's the great physicist then today? Oh, pretty well, Mrs. Hopkins. Oh, I'm just formulating my universal law of gravitation. Oh, really? Yes, oh. came to me all of a sudden in the orchard yesterday. Oh. But tell me, how are you? Been shopping? Oh, that's right, Sir Isaac, down in the market. Ah, everything's so expensive, isn't it? Oh, it is indeed. Apples have gone up again. The apple gone up? Again? Oh, dear, back to the drawing board. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> and now it's time for Betty Witherspoon's Theatre of the Air. Nigel, give us your golden voice announcer, please. Betty Witherspoon's Theatre of the Air proudly presents one of Puccini's earlier operas, Madam Caterpillar. Rubbish Caterpillar. Tonight our stage is graced with a playlist that evokes the names of Kafka, Shakespeare, Wilde, Pinero, Shaw, Dante, Pirandello, and Lester Piggott. <laughs> and what is it then? What it's is a thriller. Is it? What Agatha Christie did to ten little niggers, we've gone and done to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh. And jolly painful it was, too. <laughs> you don't mean Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watts? Yes, and the immortal Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> Shouldn't have had a second helping of that curry. <laughs> Come on, Watson. Heathcote Manor should be just up the end of this drive. Holmes? Y yes, Watson? Why, why has Lady Baskerville asked you down to her lonely manor in the middle of, of the frog-shrouded Yorkshire Moors, uh, cut off from all contact with civilization by treacherous bogs and quicksand, saved by a secret ancient smuggler's footpath known only to the locals? What? <laughs> I say, why is Lady Baskerville? I should have to a lonely cottage and an only man to find in the hall. Oh, never mind that load of cods wallet. We're there now. Oh, good. <laughs> I should knock on the door. Sherlock Holmes. Thank goodness you've arrived. I've lined up all the domestics in the library for you. Oh, no, thanks, not tonight. I'm too tired after this. <laughs> oh, I uh, see what you mean. You want me to question them. Yes. You see, I'm afraid something terrible has happened. Hmm? There's been a murder. <laughs> 
you. Yeah, the other one if you don't pipe down. <laughs> the police are already here. Will you walk this way? If I walk that way, dear, they'd arrest me. <laughs> Come through the library. Quiet, quiet, all of you. Please, now. A particularly foul murder has been committed here this evening, and nobody's going to leave the manor until I, Sherlock Holmes, find the culprit. Now, let's take a look at you. Yes. Hmm, I see. Quite. I don't think we need to look any further. This is the fellow. That mean, sallow complexion, that cruel mouth, those fixed, mad eyes. This is the murder, all right. Carry on, Sergeant. Arrest him. Oh, with, with respect, sir, I can't. Jack. Why not? Because you're looking in a mirror. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes, fine. I was just testing your powers of observation, Sergeant. Psst, Watson. No, I'm not, Hope. No, I'm... <laughs> Your attention, your attention. I'm not a drop. Your attention, well, it wasn't that girl, that girl. I'm suspicious of her. I think she may be hiding something. Not much, sir, not much. You will cross-examine her, find out. Very well, very well, Holmes. Now you. Uh, yes? You, who are you? I, I am the maid, the Carmelita Pepita Miranda Gonzalez, Maria Consuelo, Manuelo Bianco Velasquez. I see, and uh, what part of Ireland you come from? <laughs> now think, where were you? On the night of May the 15th. I don't know. Why? You should have been with me. <laughs> I had a marvelous... <laughs> I had a marvelous time, but I started without you. Now tell me. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you any men friends? Uh, well, not to speak of. Uh, there's the footman, the groom, uh, oh, the yeah. coachman, the bootboy, the milkman, oh, and the butler and the baker. How's the inquiry going, Watson? Do you think the butler did it? Well, from the sound of her, Holmes, I, I think about everybody did it. <laughs> I see. Watson, you keep everyone here. Very well. I want to have a quiet word with her ladyship. Uh, your ladyship, yes, please yes. come this way. Yes, this might be painful for you, Lady Baskerville, oh, no. but I want to... I want you to answer me a few questions. Oh, uh, no, I can't. Please, lady. Not with my husband's body stretched out dead in the drawing room. <laughs> oh, poor Cynthia. No, his name was George, actually. Oh, oh, I see. Did George have any enemies? Not that I can think of. You see, he had such a nice, even temper. He was insufferable all the time. See, I see. Anything else? Well, towards the end, he did become slightly eccentric. He used to insist on sleeping under our bed. What do you think? He must have been a little potty. <laughs> oh, oh, Cynthia! Cynthia, I know I, I, know I shouldn't have... I know that you, I mean, so recently widowed, but I, I must confess, I, I dreamed about you last night. Oh, did you? No, you wouldn't let me. <laughs> You're down to breakfast late, Holmes. How's the case going? Not too well, Watson. I was up half the night questioning a man in the lounge, but I couldn't get anything out of him. Why not? He was dead. <laughs> Before breakfast, I took that Irish maid into the library for cross-examination. Do you know what she said? No. That's right. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> call the butler, then we can check out all the staff's alibis. Call the butler, Watson. Kring, 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 kring. 
You crank, sir. Yes, Sir Simpkins. Would you assemble the staff? Right away, sir. Oh, before you go, Simpkins. Yes. Someone handed me this letter for you this morning. Oh, it's addressed to Arthur Simpkins, late of this parish. But I'm not dead yet, sir. Go on, Simpkins. Open it, old man. Ah! <laughs> A poison pen letter. Who is it from? The Inland Revenue. What? And whoever sent it has been foolish enough to leave his initials on the envelope. Why? O-H-M-S. Good gracious, Holmes. Our best clue so far. Nothing. My God. What? My God, Holmes. Someone's locked us in this windowless room. Yep. And a hidden valve in the soup tureen is pouring in gallons of steaming brown Windsor soup. The soup? <laughs> The soup is already up to my knees. What, what shall I do? Keep calm. I've been in tighter predicaments than this. Listen, once Moriarty buried me up to my neck in sand and set killer ants onto it. What were the ants like? Delicious. <laughs> no way, Holmes. I've got an idea. What? As soon as I was out of here, I'll just put my big toe in this lock and give it a quick flip. Ah, oh, yes, just as I thought. You've broken the lock, Watson. No, I broke my blasted toe. Oh. <laughs> Holmes, Holmes, what are we going to do? The brown Windsor soup is up to my neck. Have you got a spoon, Watson? Yes, I have, Holmes. There's only one thing you can do. Yes. Drink for your life. <laughs> such a genius, Sherlock. How did you guess the murderer was Dr. Watson? Well, it was intellectually the power of brilliant deduction and an intimate knowledge of the workings of the criminal mind, and not only that, he confessed. Sherlock, Sherlock, how can I ever thank you? Get to my rooms in Baker Street and I'll think of something. <laughs> <laughs> The hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the hound of the Baskervilles, that's the Brown Windsor Soup. <laughs> Bless you, thank you, bless you. Next week, the Betty Witherspoon Theatre of the Air presents the moving story about the civil servant who fills in two requisitions, is fired by his boss, and shoots himself. And it's called, wait for it, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, from Betty and me, thank you for coming, I don't blame you. Witherspoon show starred Ted Ray and Kenneth Williams and featured Miriam Margulies and Nigel Reese. The musical director was Neil Innes. The script was written by Michael Whale and Joe Steeples with additional material from Fred Metcalf and Tom McGee Englefield. The violin was played by Ted Ray and the fool by Kenneth Williams. And the program was produced by Simon Brett.